0: Well, it was great for two minutes. That was our collective reaction when I tried out a radio-controlled airplane that I got for Christmas one year. I started flying it, and then it promptly took a nosedive uh, and broke, like beyond repair, never fly again broke. Uh, Pretty devastating. It's similar to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. Well, it was great for two pages. This wonderful world designed by God with human beings as image bearers set in a garden. Human beings, um, co-creators with God to bring about more order and and beauty, to rule the world on God's behalf in perfect relationship with God, with one another, with the rest of creation. Then something happens. Something happens. In our sermon series so far, we've talked about how Genesis was designed to begin to answer and address questions like Who is God? Who are we? Why are we here? And if we want Genesis to tell us fundamental truths about God and about what it means to be human, well, we have to get to the not so good parts too. Like the question What's wrong? What's wrong? And the opening chapters of Genesis answer, this is us. We are broken. We are broken. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. Pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us and transform us, that, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Before I read, I actually, since it's the last Sunday of the month we don't have kid church, we want to send a special welcome to our, our kids who are worshiping with us in quote-unquote big church, as I used to call it, uh, so well. So, so thank you all for being with us in, in big church this morning. Um, our, our scripture readings this morning, of course, come from Genesis, um, the second chapter, verses 8 and 9, then 15 through 17, and then 1 through 13 of chapter 3. Listen for God's word. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and put there the human he had formed. In the fertile land, the Lord God grew every beautiful tree with edible fruit. And also he grew the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord took the human and settled him in the garden of Eden to farm it and to take care of it. The Lord God commanded the human, eat your fill from all of the garden's trees. But don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because on the day you eat of it, you will die. Then from chapter 3. The snake was the most intelligent of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, We may eat the fruit of the garden's trees, but not the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, Don't eat from it and don't touch it or you will die. The snake said to the woman, You won't die. God knows that on the day you eat from it, you will see clearly and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious food and that the tree would provide wisdom. And so she took some of its fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then they both saw clearly and knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. During that day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, and the man and his wife hid themselves from God in the middle of the garden's trees. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? The man replied, I heard your sound in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you gave me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the snake tricked me and I ate. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is such a loaded story that brings up all sorts of questions. Write them down and send me an email this week. It all feels like a tragic loss of innocence though, doesn't it? We just want to reach into the pages of Scripture and say, no, don't eat that fruit, not that tree. And yet, a quick self-examination of our own lives reveals just how many times we have repeatedly done the same exact thing. Try to, try to seize something, choose something that maybe looks good, but God has said will orient us toward death instead of life so it all hits really close to home. We are so good at self-centeredness. There is something about this story that explains the human condition so well. We're caught between two trees. Those trees, the tree of life and uh, and the tree of the knowledge of good and bad feature prominently in this story. Genesis tells us that God created a beautiful garden and placed human being in the garden to cultivate and to care for it. God also plants many trees in the garden, uh, beautiful trees, edible trees. And at the very center of the garden, or as we're meant to understand it, at the center of created reality, at the very center of God's heaven and earth as one dwelling place, God grew the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. Let's start with the tree of life. This tree Is meant to represent the life that comes from God. The life that comes from God. Clearly, God is not a tree, but the tree is the place where humans meet God because it's at the center of the garden, the center of it all. So the tree references life with God at the center. In other words, at the center of the world that has been given to the human and over which the human being has been commissioned to rule with God is not the human, of the tree of divine life. And Genesis just takes for granted that this tree of life is a gift that's woven into God's good creation. It isn't a reward for good behavior. It's something that humanity is just supposed to enjoy alongside all of the other trees in the garden. It's a gift from God. In fact, God commands human beings to eat from every tree in the garden and the tree of life is one of those trees the very first command in the bible does not place the tree of life off limits so there's a clear connection being made between obedience and flourishing obedience and life if you were to obey god's command you would eat of the tree of life naturally and experience flourishing in relationship with with God. It's like God is saying, here, enjoy eternal life with me. Enjoy eternal life with me. When humanity is oriented toward God as the center of life, we experience and we taste, as it were, true life as gift. But about the other tree, that other tree, that there's the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, and God grants immense freedom to human beings, saying, "You can eat from any tree except that one." We assume that it is there near the tree of life. But what does knowledge of good and bad even and mean? And and why would God say that? I mean, what's wrong with knowing good and bad? Isn't that just wisdom? It sounds like wisdom. The problem is not wisdom and be able to discern what is good and bad. The problem is how we arrive at that wisdom. The problem is not wisdom. The problem is how we arrive at that wisdom. Certainly, if God created us so that we're supposed to partner with God to bring about more order and beauty in the world, if we are supposed to rule on God's behalf, then that requires wisdom. And the choice represented by the tree is, are we going to trust in God's definition of good and bad? Are we going to get wisdom by obeying and being in relationship with God or are we going to seize the opportunity to put ourselves at the center and to define good and bad for ourselves? Remember, in the story, God is the one who has been declaring what is good so far. In fact, God has said something is good seven times in the creation story, including human beings, supremely good. And God has said that it is not good that the human being Is alone. And when God commands humans to eat from every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, it's an opportunity for the human being to live in the freedom of being a creature dependent upon a loving God. God wants human beings to become wise, but on God's terms. God's terms, not our own. It's a limit placed on human beings for our own. Good, Because to exist without limits would be to be God. And we're creatures, not the creator. God is God. We humans are not. So to honor this limit is essential for human development as image bearers who are supposed to cultivate and care and rule the world on God's behalf. Right relationship with God is the only framework for proper use of the power and freedom that God gives for for gaining wisdom, wisdom through obedience, wisdom through relationship. When God's command is followed, flourishing happens. When God's command is broken, flourishing is compromised, like a, a tree removed from a source of light. Well, we all know what happens next. We're introduced to a... The crafty or, or, or intelligent, the, word, the adjective there in the Hebrew is not meant to suggest something inherently negative, just shrewd, crafty, and intelligent. We're introduced to this crafty snake from out of nowhere. No details, just there. And the snake begins to speak about God with Adam and Eve, specifically sowing seeds of mistrust. Notice how the snake completely inverts God's command. Did you get this? did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? Did you hear that? Of course, God had not said that at all. But the question begins to exaggerate the limitations, God's limitations on the humans. And so the question poses the possibility that perhaps the human being misheard God as God surely could not impose a limit like that on God's creature. But Eve takes the bait, and and she starts out right. She seems like she's correcting the snake. We may eat of the trees, just not the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, don't eat from it and don't touch it, or you will die. Except, did you hear that? God never said you couldn't touch it. So Eve is also beginning to exaggerate the limits placed on them by God. And that's where the lie takes hold. The snake then takes human beings behind the command of God. You won't die. God knows that when you eat it, you'll become like God and you'll you'll see clearly knowing good and evil. So it's a lie portraying the truth as a lie. It's a lie portraying the truth as a lie. The ultimate possible rebellion. Human beings can go around God to get what they want. Human beings can know good and and bad apart from a relationship of trust and obedience with the God who gives life. Can we really trust God? I mean, why would God withhold something? God must be jealous because God wants to limit us and, and hold back our potential. God's truth is pointing to my limit. The snake's truth is pointing to my unlimitedness. And so the lie is believed. The lie is believed. And human beings seize the fruit and disobey God. It looks beautiful. It seems like it would be deliciously satisfying. It's going to give us wisdom. And so Eve took it and she gave some to Adam. And in that moment, things begin to unravel. Sin enters the world through human choice. What was the choice? To use freedom. To disobey and rebel against God. Choosing to live with ourselves at the center instead of God. To define good and bad for ourselves apart from God. To say, we know what's best for us, God, not you. Immediately the effects are real, aren't they? Adam and Eve's eyes are opened, that much is true. But it's not a glorious new life-giving freedom. No, they already had that. Now with their defining good and evil on their own terms, they they wonder if they can trust each other. I mean, what if my definition of good and evil isn't the same as your definition? They wonder if they can trust each other. Now now that they have to decide for themselves what's in their own best interest, everything looks different than it did. They become self-conscious and fearful and feel shame. They lose a sense of security with each other, right? They lose that sense of security with, with God. They cover up to hide themselves from one another. And then when God comes looking for them, what do they do? They hide from God. So the very first casualty of this rebellion, this uh, this sin entering the world, was broken relationship. The human beings who had been created so wonderfully to be in relationship with God and with one another and with the rest of creation now experience alienation from those relationships. Image of God distorted. Like a toy airplane, things are spiraling down fast and we're broken. This story explains so much of our human condition. We look around, right, and it's pretty clear from our own lives, from the headlines, things are messed up. To be human is to live with the reality of sin. Everything is not how it should be. And it's the consequence of our human choices. So, so Genesis isn't just pointing to something way back, something in our roots to say, this is, why, this is why the things are the way they are. No, this is a story that we also repeat again and again and again. Every day, every day we're faced with micro choices that connect to that macro decision, am I going to live with God at the center, finding life with God, or myself at the center, seeking to define good and bad on my own terms and seeking life apart from God? We're torn between two trees. How we relate to one determines how we relate to the other. It's why Paul writes in Romans, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. True life, friends, from God is always ours right near us when we trust and obey God. But yet there is always the opportunity to seize and take hold of something that, that looks good, that looks like it will satisfy, looks like it will enhance us. The reality is, we we so often seize the fruit. To live as a human is to live with the effects of sin, to realize that I, I perpetrate them every, every time I, bi- I bypass one tree for the other. As I, I've walked by the tree of life with its gift so many times, just to, to grab the other tree because it looked good in the moment, because I thought it would make me wiser and more important, ultimately, because I did not trust in God. Bad is there because we choose it. And the flaw is not just making bad choices. The flaw is thinking that apart from God, I have the capacity to define what is good and bad. The heart of the temptation represented by eating of the prohibited fruit was the desire to be like God and thus be uh, be free of dependence upon God. What happens? What happens? Well, what is good is usually what's good for me and mine at the expense of what is good for you and yours. We all know where this leads. Fractured relationships, willful disregard for the needs of others, shouting matches between friends and and relatives, all the wars, all the racism, all the injustice, all the violence, all the exploitation, all the hurt that we cause one another, all of it is tied to our rebellion against God and our inclination to to define good and bad on our own terms. What's wrong? Genesis says sin is in the world because of our human choices. What's wrong? We seem to be predisposed to selfishness. I saw my one-year-old reach and grab something from those brothers and scream, this is mine! Where did that come from? It's like we're curved in on ourselves. Finding it more natural to think we know what's best for us and acting out of our own self-interest. What's wrong? We exalt ourselves and other created things over our creator. What's wrong? We experience brokenness in our relationships and, and in our world. It's, try, it's why we try to reach, and, and reach for and fill our lives with things we think will ultimately Satisfy us when the ultimate life, the ultimate satisfaction, the ultimate joy, the ultimate treasure is already ours. God says, Enjoy the good thing that I have for you, and yet we choose the measly alternative. While we're constantly scrambling for approval and success and redemption from other people, and God has already given, gifted those things to us through grace, what's wrong? We've not loved God with our whole heart. We we have not done God's will. We have rebelled against God's love. We've not loved our neighbor. This is us, Eunice says. It's hard, but it's true. This this is us. But, however, this isn't the end of the story. It isn't even the, the core of who we are. The big difference between us and my airplane that was good for two minutes and then crashed and broke beyond repair, the biggest difference is this. We are not broken beyond repair. I'm going to say that again. We are not broken beyond repair. We are made in the image of God. Our disobedience and our rebellion doesn't have the last word. God's love does. While this story shows that the image has been damaged, it is not beyond repair. It is not beyond the reach of a God to rescue and to restore us. And that is the good news that Genesis already begins to introduce. Broken, but not beyond repair. And we'll get there next week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.